You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Otzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, and Jared Mack, both on the show uh, today. We are discussing the Oregon football program and we are talking about practice Uh, we got into practice today uh friday august 6th first day of oregon fall camp 2021 and eric i think you have the exact uh number of days it's been since the media has been allowed in because covid19 and the protocols that were required prevented us from going into practice last year. So it's been it's been over a year's time since we've been into practice, and it was pretty nice to just officially be there. It's been 511 days, per Jeez. my calculations, since Oregon allowed media to watch a football practice, slash since the practice was open to us. Um, so that's actually kind of astounding considering that's makes up so much of our job, typically that it's been over 500 days since we've done it last, but it was just really fun being out there. Um, on, you know, at the HDC, it was a beautiful morning on Friday. Um, got out there when we get in about 10 AM and, and watched yeah. about 30 or 40 minutes. And it was, it was really great to be out there and, and watching stuff. And I think, you know, it was the first day. So it's not like we come away knowing everything, but I do feel like we learned some things that are interesting from today's practice. And again, uh, the expectation, at least right now is we'll definitely be at Saturday's practice. Cause that's already been sent out. And, and hopefully, unless, unless they take our access away, that we'll also be at the rest of them for fall camp. So that's exciting. And for those listening, maybe you don't understand the implications of this for you. We're going to be able to provide a lot better, more accurate information to everybody by being able to watch practice. So this is a win for honestly, everybody involved besides maybe the Oregon football program, which does like to keep things kind of tight to the vet, you know, get close to their vest at times, but for the rest of us, this is really exciting. And, and, and it was just really fun being out there again today after a long absence. It's one of those deals where I don't know about you, Jared or Eric, I, I had to quickly remind myself to watch where I was standing because I'm taking photos of quarterbacks and receivers. And if I'm not careful, I've got a full steam ahead running back to my left. You could just absolutely take me out, which would hurt. And then on top of that, I would have the coaches yelling at me for getting out of the way, for not being uh, out of the way. And uh, so it, it was an adjustment period, no doubt. And thankfully, no media members were injured today. And I don't, man, I don't think anyone's ever gotten hit by a player, but we've all been pretty dang close being out there. It is scary. Those guys are moving so dang fast. You think you've gotten plenty of space off the sideline, and sometimes it's just not enough. I've 100% been hit by a stray ball. Um, yes. You know, one of those that skids across the ground and maybe hits two times and then hits you in the leg or something like that. That's happened to me before. Um, I've had, I've had a receiver like kind of jump over me, but I'm laying on the ground in the corner trying to get some cool shots for the photography. And he like overplayed his route and kind of carried himself over to an area he wasn't supposed to be. Thankfully, I didn't get in trouble. It was more on the receiver, but that was probably the closest I've ever I've ever been. I haven't had any near (laughs) run-ins. Jared, Jared, you're new though. Jared, you're new, so you you will have your run-ins. I'm excited. Yeah, I just (laughs) don't want to get steamrolled. I think that's the only thing I want, just not to get pile driven into the ground. This just makes me. 
think, sorry, really quick, that it's a minor digression. Matt, do you remember the, the, the camp up in Portland, the opening where the girl, I don't know if it was one of a 247's employee, but someone just got trashed by a receiver on a route near the end zone. Do you remember that? It was a really yeah. small <laughs> girl. And I always think of that when I'm out there. I'm like, I got to be uh, careful. I don't want to be like that girl. She got clobbered. <laughs> I do not remember that, but it does not surprise me because the opening was like extremely close knit to the field. Uh, yes. Very little room to, to maneuver in that area. Um, let's actually get to... I think what everyone wants to know, and that is what's the status with sophomores, Jamal Hill, a nickelback, a starter from last season, and then DJ James, a sophomore cornerback, who was probably the overwhelming favorite to become a starter this year after serving as a backup the last two seasons. Um both of those players had been cited by the police uh, for multiple charges after uh, there were reports of them shooting airsoft gun bullets, uh, pellets, I guess is what you should call them, um, into a, a, a crowd of people or one person got hit. We know that uh, airsoft pellets, um, police cited them and, and Crystal Ball released a statement at the time and I'm paraphrasing there, but said they're aware they're collecting information and at a later time they'll have you know more to say about it well we got some stuff from Cristobal today on that we did yeah so Cristobal addressed the media today and, and basically said that the these players are suspended until further notice um and that was that was it from from Mario today uh, there was a, a follow-up question but he you know, declined to answer, citing that he had already given the answer. So I think we're just in the waiting books. Uh, it could be through the end of fall camp. It could be for multiple weeks in the season. I think we just need to, you know, just wait and see what uh, Coach Cristobal says in the upcoming, you know, practices, upcoming weeks. And uh, at Oregon will go from there. They have plenty of depth and cornerback, although this was the position where, a suspension is going to hurt them more than it would, I don't know, on the defensive line or something. Um, so, yeah, this will be an opportunity for a couple of younger players to, to go about it and try to make their make their case to start. We should note that neither player was at practice either yep. today. Um, that's important information. So it's not like they were there watching or they were in uniform or anything like that. No, they were they were no they were not on the premises, at least from what we saw. And I think based upon what Mario said, you know, the guys are suspended indefinitely. Um, he said until further notice, I think we can expect that this is going to be the way it's going to be for fall camp for a while. Um, and I'm sure they're waiting to see what the, the local authorities have to say and what information comes to light before making any fin final decisions. But I, I don't know, Matt, like, are, are you surprised at all with the outcome of what took place today no. with with these two guys? Cause like, this is kind of what we thought would happen where Mario addressed it, you know, that there's some actions in place, but that they're going to make some determination later. And so I think we're all in the same place. And I think those listening maybe mm -hmm. are too, of just like, it kind of, this is where we kind of expected to be after the, again, really disappointing news that came down on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all about what Mario said and what they're going to do. And um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some parts of it where it's let's, Let's wait and see what happens from a legal standpoint. Does right. some of these charges get dropped? Uh, do they get, you know, brought down to something um, less serious, um, and and then make our decision there? And and I'm sure it's going to be somewhere in the middle. You know, I I don't 
want to speculate too much about it, but I, I would be kind of shocked if these guys are kicked off the team. Um, I would be shocked if they're going to be playing that first quarter against Fresno state week one. Um, you know, it's a wide scale. I, I realize that, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that Cristobal said that we're, we're, we're aware they're suspended indefinitely and, and until further notice. And as we gain more and more information, we'll then hold and make a decision. Then it's kind of what you would expect. Now I think going into this year, it was already kind of like a, Hey, if, if they suffer an injury at corner um, or at nickel, boy, that makes, that makes the depth really stretched thin because they kind of have, they have enough bodies to get through a year and to be pretty good at it. But at the same time, it was one of those things where it's like, if they just had one or two injuries, it could really significantly impact that depth. And now before fall camp even started, you know, two starters from, from that group are no longer on the field right now. And some just kind of immediate fallout from that in practice, the cornerback group, again, we should note that they didn't, I don't know if this is going to be the way it is every practice, but they structured it differently than they have in the past. Typically when, when Matt and I and Jared now not in the past a little bit, but you know, when we're out there, uh, they will kind of run through some team periods where you have an idea. You really get to see like, okay, when they, this is the first team offense, this is the first team defense. And mm-hmm. no one tells you that's what it is, but it's pretty easy to, to tell based on looking at who's out there personnel. Like, okay, Hey, Verone McKinley's in the backfield and Hey, Diamond Lenore and, uh, you know, Mikhail Ryder at corner. This is probably the first group because there's also, you know, Noah Sewell out there, et cetera. Um, they didn't do that today. But what I can say is that when they did run through cornerback drills, Dante Manning, Tricrest Bridges, and Mikhail Wright were the first ones to go through the drills. The next group were the true freshmen. So I take that to be kind of like, hey, maybe these are three guys who are standouts at corner and the ones that have a shot to start at the at the current stage where where we are with DJ. And then at nickel, it was Jeffrey Bassa, a true freshman, recent enrollee, and Bennett Williams, who's a veteran player. He's been going into probably his, I think his fourth collegiate season, but he only counts as a junior based upon the COVID thing. Um, those are the two guys who got the first snaps in place of Hill, it looked like, when they went through drills. So there's just a little bit of kind of like what Oregon is doing to prepare without them. And again, in theory, no, there's no clarity of if they're going to miss any game time at all. They might just miss most of fall camp or part of fall camp and be ready for, for Fresno State on September 11th. But it's also possible and probably plausible that they do miss a game or two. And if that is the case, it looks like Manning, Bridges are two names to know at corner, um, and Bossa and Williams are two names to know at nickel. Are, are you surprised that Bossa is – like we, we had expectations for Bossa, but – and look, I understand. I don't want to. This is practice one. Mm-hmm. They weren't even in shells. No. And and so you don't want to make too much about it. But this is the significance of getting guys onto campus as quickly as they can when they sign. And Bossa was an early enrollee, and he's. I'm saying this extremely loosely, running with you know, the ones or the twos and he's a true freshman. I, I really liked Bossa coming out of high school from the Salt Lake area. Um, thought he fit. Like 
kind of immediately was like, I hope this guy is someone that recruited to play nickel because I just think he fits the the mold physically with his size and athleticism. So like I always thought that worked. And then he was here in the spring. So he did get some, you know, a, a head start on the process. So it's it's kind of he's not quite the same level footing as some of the guys who got here in July. He's a little more experienced. Um, but yeah, I think at the same time, and again, if Hill was available, I would think that Boss would be someone that they tried to to redshirt or to play, a, you know, not play a ton just because, hey, you've got Bennett Williams, you can fill in there. Let's save Bossa for a year so that when Hill is gone, you know, this is a hypothetical where this doesn't take place, that Boss is the guy who steps in and replaces him. I was not expecting him to be a major 2021 contributor. I'm still kind of skeptical because if Hill comes back, I don't think there's a lot of snaps for him. But if this is a thing where Hill misses an extended period of time, like it's, I think Boss is a name you have to know. Um, at the very least, he's going to be somebody who fills in at nickel. And, and maybe if there is, a, you know, a, if the thing with Hill lingers throughout the season, maybe he's a starter, um, as kind of crazy as that is to say right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's still too tough to say how Bossa fits in, and we haven't seen him in any, like, real defensive drills. Uh, what I can say is that he he does look the part of, you know, becoming a, an, an everyday player. You know, he's a similar body type I would say to Jamal Hill um, and he's clearly filled out a lot since becoming an early enrollee and looks to be somebody who can you know take the everyday snaps and you know have have a, have a good enough stamina and conditioning to get in there um, yeah he's definitely going to be someone to keep an eye on and again this is all just speculation and we still don't know how long uh, the suspensions will be for James and Hill but yeah, these are those are some names just to keep an eye on just as we go about. I mean, it could be something different tomorrow for that into practice. Sure. Um, it could be, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of an ever-revolving door sometimes just going into practice and especially this first week where coaches just like us are trying to figure out who's going to be who's going to be who and where everybody's going to be situated and playing. Uh, it's a it's an interesting time. Now, it's interesting you, you brought up who isn't practicing on a day-to-day basis because I was a little surprised Jalen Red was not at practice. Well, he was at practice, but he was off to the side with the rehab group. It was a team of three people um, that was there. Uh, so they were able to – so what that means is if you're at the rehab group, um, you're dressed out, you're wearing a helmet, um, you're more you're you're probably really close to to being all the way back and you go off to the side and do some um rehab type drills for your injury or whatever that that you're dealing with um while there's some some drills going on for your position group that's probably either something that could get you hurt because you're not all the way back yet or you physically just can't do it um yet and Jalen Red was in that group um, kind of surprised by that. We also didn't see DJ Johnson at all. Um, yeah, yeah. He was one of the, cause there are, there were a couple players who were not there at all. Um, and, and we didn't see DJ Johnson, which was kind of a surprise for a little bit. Yeah. And then Mario Cristobal was asked post uh, practice about it and said they're hopeful that he will be joining them for practice soon. So um, there's confirmation he wasn't there because sometimes it's a thing where we don't see him and we watch enough that we would we would see him if he was with the group, you know, and we think, well, maybe he's maybe we just missed him or maybe he was late to practice or something like that um, or just had a, and late to practice like and maybe had an excused 
you know, tardy to practice. There's a reason he's not there. It sounds like he's really just not with the group yet, not with a team yet. And this is somebody who we had thought would be a very strong candidate to start at tight end. And now there's some lack of clarity there. Obviously Mario, you know, providing some optimism about him returning soon. Um, I also just think back to, it wasn't long ago where we had a similar thing with Samson new where it kind of felt like for a while it was, Oh yeah, we're, he'll, well, we think he'll be back or, you know, we're just trying to support him. Um, and we don't hear anything and then he just never returns. So, um, I would don't overreact to GJ Johnson missing the first day of practice. There could be a really good explanation for it. Um, but I just kind of would pack that nugget away in terms of don't be surprised if we hear something about him not being with the team for a short term or a long term here in the next week or so. Um, and that would, I think, be pretty significant. Although, and I know Jared spent a lot of time watching this group, the tight ends looked pretty darn good today. Oh, yeah. Tight ends look good. Uh, Spencer Webb looks like he's in shape and he's getting getting his run. Um, Maliki Matabajo is huge now. Um, you know, Coach Cristobal at Oregon's Media Day talked about uh, just how each of the tight ends, including Patrick Herbert and Terrence Ferguson, packed on weight, 25, 30 pounds. Uh, it's pretty clear on Matabajo that he has packed on those 20, 25, 30 pounds. Um Ferguson is another guy who looked great. Um, I really think he'll be used as like a, a, a pass catcher, kind of how Jacob Breland was used towards the uh, 2019, someone who's going to run post, someone who's just going to get open. Um, but And we even had uh, Cam McCormick was a full go in practice today, which was great to see. Yeah, notable. Um, yeah, very notable. It, it looks like a really talented group. Um, I, Spencer Webb was the first to go in most of these drills. Um, we didn't see too many passing drills, but he was always number one. Terrence Ferguson was usually number two, and Matavajo was usually number three. Um, yeah, that, that's a talented group. Um, I just wanted to add on that in, in the rehab group, we had Jalen Smith and Jonah Miller as well, defensive tackle and offensive linemen. Um, those guys were both in – in jerseys, in their not pads, in their shells, um, similar to red, and, and we're working out with the strength and conditioning team and the and on the field, and so those are two guys just to keep an eye on going forward as well. I thought back with the tight ends, both Oregon's tight ends that are true freshmen just physically looked like anything we've seen in a while at the position. Mm-hmm. Like Spencer Webb, when he showed up, was a big dude, um, but you could tell he he needed to, to put on some weight for his frame, and he has. I mean, he he is a massive dude in his own right. But I almost think like both freshmen are as big as Spencer Webb is right now, and these are newcomers. Like they are massive. Well, yeah. Well, and I, I guess just in terms of the newcomers, was there anyone else physically that stood out from today? Because I, I, I found those guys, obviously. But how about the receivers? I know we'd already seen Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin quite a bit in the spring, albeit not this close, because even though there was practice, we weren't able to watch. And even though there was a spring game, we were all the way up in the press box. Um, I mean, just watching those two guys, and I'll link in Isaiah Bravard too. Yeah, I was going to include him because I think like, physically he was impressive, right? Like, look, just looking at those guys up close, like we weren't next to each other ever, 
but you could, you know, be 10 yards away from them. They are much more impressive than we walked away thinking they were in the spring from a physical standpoint. And we were already pretty, pretty high on them. And I think we've been saying this for a little bit, like the biggest difference between Oregon in 2019 to Ohio state or Florida state or, or to LSU or to Auburn or to Alabama or Clemson was the sheer size of those teams receivers compared to Oregon's. And I'm not saying that Oregon's receivers aren't talented because they are, but it's different when you have a six foot four guy that's got an insane wingspan and is extremely fast to a guy that's six foot or five eleven or five nine that's very talented, very quick, very athletic, but just doesn't have the sheer size advantage. And those three guys, along with Devin Williams, fit that profile. And you can, we're literally in the middle of a transition of seeing this receiving core morph itself into one of those, from a physical standpoint, elite groups in the country, like an Ohio State, like an Alabama, like an LSU or a Clemson, where their receivers just look different. And Oregon's kind of in that process right now. Yeah, I was just going to mention. Devin Williams in that group as well. I mean, those are, including Brevard, those are th- four wide receivers who are in that like six foot three, six foot five height range. And they are just, those four are so different physically than the rest of Oregon's wide receiver core. It's just night and day when you go and watch them, especially up close. It was great to be there. And, but yeah, no, they're all their heads are above everybody else's and they run as fluid. They catch as well. They, run the routes just as well as basically everybody else. Um, and for them to do that at six foot three, six foot four is just such a huge competitive advantage, especially when going against, you know, defensive backs that are four or five inches shorter than them. I, th- I think um, another guy that just from a physical standpoint that, that really stood out to me, um, offensive lineman, freshman, Faope Lalu, uh, I probably butchered his name a little bit, and I apologize, but a member of that 2020 recruiting class, offensive lineman that was like pushing 400 pounds when he signed with the Ducks. Um, we don't know his weight, but I think as players walked in to practice today, he was probably like, holy smokes, that guy, who is that guy? He is ginormous. The rare time I couldn't ID somebody. That I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at just being able to, as they walk in, be like, oh, there's that guy, there's this guy. They have their jerseys on. I've, I've you know, learned up on those. I'm pretty good at matching faces to the photos or, or videos I've seen. I, had, I didn't know who that was um, just because I, I was thinking he was going to carry his weight so differently. And I'll be honest, some of those offensive line numbers are, are further down the, the list of priority. They usually in the defensive guy at practice. There's a little bit of a behind this behind the curtains information. Uh, so so if you don't like the offensive stuff that's in the practice reports, you can blame Jared. Um, <laughs> just, 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 just to throw him under the bus. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and if you love the and if you don't like the defensive stuff, also blame Jared because I won't take responsibility, wow. apparently. Um, no, but I was going to say, like, I didn't know who he was. And then when we find out afterwards, it, it's like, oh, that he's is, done a lot of work in the weight room. Yeah. I mean, he's probably 40 pounds at least down from where he was supposed to be when he came in. 
And again, we didn't get to see the offensive line do enough to really draw any conclusions, but physically he looked like somebody who you could certainly envision playing now. I don't know if that's the case. In fact, he's probably pretty far down the pecking order, but physically he certainly like Matt says um, was, was somebody that really stood out. Was there anything for, for you, Eric or, or Jared that just kind of popped that we haven't mentioned? Um, I think Jared on offense has more notable stuff at quarterback that he can share, but I've got a couple of small notes at defense after he finishes. Yeah, for sure. Um, quarterbacks, uh, they all look good. Uh, it was when, when quarterbacks would take place in the, in a drill, Anthony Brown would lead it off followed by Robbie Ashford, then Jay Butterfield, then Ty Thompson. Uh, and again, this isn't a depth chart. It's just how the drills were placed. It could be different tomorrow. We might have Jay Butterfield, be the first one to, to lead off but right they all they all looked good um I thought just the just the development of Robbie Ashford seemingly from his fresh full freshman year and his arm motion and quickness and acceleration through the ball has gotten way better and, and just the just a brief period of time he's been here and you know that might be uh something that coach coach Joe Moorhead has worked a lot on with him um, but Anthony Brown was throwing the ball well. Uh, they're all quality quarterbacks. I mean, this is a four deep quarterback room, and I think I think I would be, and maybe most Oregon fans would be comfortable with any one of the four taking over snaps this year at one point. Um, I, I, that's just how I feel personally. Anthony Brown is still the guy who's. You know, Crystal Ball has said that he'll be with the ones and that he'll be, you know, he was given that position um, because he earned it. So it'll be, it'll be a great thing to watch just that competition in general as practices over the fall, you know, come and go. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good room. It's a great quarterback room and they'll, it'll be as good as possible. I think for the Ducks to have, you know, four guys who they're comfortable with. Well, I just think with Ashford in particular, we and then I'll get I'll get to a couple of defensive things in a second. But with Ashford, I think when spring was taking place, it was sort of easy because he was doing the baseball thing to kind of be like, which by the way he's going to continue doing. Um, we have a, a story up on the site at Duck Territory. You can go read up on that on just kind of the baseball football uh, juggling act he's doing. But it was pretty easy to discount him as being one of the main. You know, I was. It was I think when we. I mean, I know this was the case for us, or at least it was for me when when spring started. I was like, okay, it's Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield together. Oh yeah, then they still have Robbie Ashford. It was kind of like he was sort of an afterthought. That was how I perceived it. I think that's a very inaccurate way to represent what's going on now. In fact, like maybe he's. You know, I mean, I'm not saying this because this is fact, but like maybe he's going to be the one who ends up winning this job, you know, and certainly the early indication, very, 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 very early indication today was that like, he's very much in the mix for that spot as, as the second quarterback now, and maybe the starter in 2022. Um, so just a couple small defensive notes uh, that, that I thought were, were interesting. I spent the day basically make, you know, checking to see which position group everyone on Oregon's defense was playing with um, just kind of dot my T, you know, I said, I said that very wrong. I shouldn't be dotting T's or crossing I's because those are not the right letters. And I'm just completely shifting the, uh, the, the English alphabet. But I was just making sure everybody was where I thought they would be. Two guys that were maybe not, I shouldn't say like totally different than I'd expected, but I think are notable. Jonathan Flo, who was recruited and, and I think classified at least by 247 Sports as an outside linebacker, working with the inside linebacker groups along with his older brother, Justin, 
Um, that's kind of interesting from a physical perspective. He certainly is the, the leanest of that group. And that was pretty obvious, even um, just being out there today for, for a day of practice. I don't know if he impacts things immediately for Oregon, but that's kind of interesting. He's playing inside because we thought outside. And then Braden Swinson for a while, I'd assumed was following Kayvon Thibodeau and Adrian Jackson and, and those guys out to play outside linebacker um, with Tim Druder. And that was the case. So Swinson, somebody who had played with a hand down, the same, he'd been Thibodeau's primary backup a year ago, um, is now also playing the same position as Thibodeau, but it's again standing as a kind of an outside linebacker hybrid spot. Um, so I thought those two were notable just in terms of those are guys that that came in um, and we kind of thought they'd be playing one spot and now it seems they're playing a little bit of a different position. Not a huge change, but enough to be notable. I think it's extremely notable that Braden Spinson is out there on, you know, that kind of hybrid, maybe outside linebacker, you know, edge rusher that we've seen in the past. Because uh, that guy is, you know, it's, he's a similar frame to, to Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, he's listed at 6'5", and again, we don't have the weights from the official, you know, official roster sheet. They're still updating those. But, you know, he has to be – to be at 6'5", and to be out there as a pure edge rusher, you know, he has to be some physically gifted individual. And I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I was, was actually – By the way, Jared, he was 265 on last year's roster, just to provide some context. That's pretty good. Um, and that reiterates my point even more. Yeah, I think – I think to hear that makes me excited to, to see what he's going to do because I think going into the season, most of us had, you know, KT in that role and Adrian Jackson would maybe be in the second, you know, the second string or the second team. Um, but if Braden Swinson can show that he's capable of filling in that role at his height and his size, and if he has the speed to get off the edge like that, that's a really exciting development and one that can really help Oregon with their defensive line depth and getting another pass rusher to go. Uh, I'd also like to, to keep on the outside linebackers for a second. Uh, this goes into our other topic of who physically impressed you, but the, the trio of Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, and now Mace Funa was another physically impressing and imposing group of people. We've talked about Sewell, we've talked about flow plenty of times just from their pure physical standpoint. But Mace looked to be in good shape today. Um, looked like he cut a good, a decent bit, uh, but he's still that bigger size that you kind of want when he's, you know, off the edge or playing linebacker. So I thought that was a welcome development. And then you know, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell just kind of speak for themselves. I don't have to go too far in depth with that. I mean, I guess the, just the last part, uh, a couple special teams things, because shoot, shoot, I geek out about special teams. Um, I, I found the, the the fact that one, once again, um, Mario Cristobal says the place kicking position is open for competition and that Henry Cattleman has to be aware of of Camden Lewis was notable. Um, do, we, do, we, do we think like that's true? Like, <laughs> I mean, I think they want to make it seem to be true because they're really pushing competition. And it just feels to me like based on on-field pr- production, it, there shouldn't be an open competition. I think Cattleman's proven to be better. Um, so, like, Do we think it's in that order, too? What? Like that Cattleman has to be aware of Lewis? Like is Cattleman the, the – are we thinking that he's the day one starter? I, th- I mean, I figure. I assume. I don't know I how it's do. not. I mean, just based yeah. off of – like in-game production, like I understand a big part of what prevented 
Cattleman from getting into the games earlier last year was he wasn't very good in practice. But ultimately, I think it it's it comes down to what do you do in games? And so I don't know how he's not the number one kicker. Yeah, it doesn't really compute. Um, but they're going to keep that open. And then the other part that I, I do think there was some interest in, I asked about right at the end, um, was just the return game. Mario ran through, I don't know, half a dozen, maybe more possible punt and kick returners. I did ask if it was possible for Mikhail Wright to do both punt returns and kick returns because it was something he actually brought up. Um, and I don't think you can like expect that to be the case all the time because he did say that they have to manage his kind of workload because he is playing so much on defense. Um, and he also noted, by the way, that the reasons in the you know in the 2020 season when Wright wasn't out there is because he was gassed from playing defense. And Chris Hudson, obviously, not a full time offensive player, at least not playing as much, um, you know, had fresher legs. So just a couple of things to be keep an eye on there. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mikhail Wright involved in the return game again more than than we saw in 2020. And in fact, Christopher kind of made it sound like they really are hopeful and would like that to be the case because I know how much he can impact a football game. I think Cristobal brought up a good point of how the reason why he wasn't as involved last for Michael Wright wasn't as involved last year was because he was gassed. Like his freshman year, he could do it because he was a, he was a part-time player. His snaps were, were nowhere near where they were at in 2020. And so he could use some of the energy that he used on kickoff return or punt return um, to his benefit because he knew he wasn't going to be out there all the time. Whereas now it's kind of like, what's what's more beneficial? Having Mikhail Wright out there for 90% of the defensive snaps or taking him off maybe down to 20, to maybe down to, to 75 because he needs some rest because he's involved in return game. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, that's a balancing act, right? Yes. Yes, I mean, because I mean, you want to make sure that ultimately you're getting the most out of your return, but also <laughs> the other parts of the game, which are, I think, at times a lot more important. I think there's enough of a, of a, of a couple options to, to keep Michael on the field as corner. And, you know, Hudson did a couple of a uh, couple of returns last year. I think obviously Michael is probably the most talented Um I wasn't, I, I didn't hear Cristobal list off the people, but just off the top of my head, maybe Seven McGee gets a chance. I know he's elusive and athletic and can probably make some people miss on a kick return or punt return. Um, so I think there's enough of, a, of some options to give Oregon a little bit more freedom to, to put somebody else back there. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back. Probably on Monday, but who knows? Maybe we get enough stuff again on Saturday and we do another show um, discussing what we saw from Saturday's practice. But for sure, we'll be back on the show on Monday. And until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.